Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie, all one word. Um, and you know, it just got my weekly bonus episodes. People ask me what I'm watching, what movies I'm watching, what shows I'm watching. I put all that stuff on the Patreon. And we also tend to have, you know, guests from time to time talk about different shows like The Mandalorian, WandaVision, Loki. Uh, Right now I'm talking Moon Knight, Solo, among other things. But, you know, if you want to support us, you can. And I want to take my moment to thank my, uh, take a moment to thank my top patrons. That's Chris Belga, Jeff Woodman, Philip Barker, and Michael Cross. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. Uh, And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. That does help new listeners find us. Uh, and I have a returning guest. I've got Cody on the show today. Say hi, Cody. Hello and uh, happy Easter, even though it'll happy be way, a- way after Easter, I'm sure, when you drop this. But happy <laughs> Easter to all the people in the future, if you celebrate it. Yeah, I know. It feels a little... Uh, I guess that's why... You, is that why you picked this movie that we're about to talk about? This is <laughs> of Easter? exactly why I picked this movie, because I had about... <laughs> four or five other movies I was like rolling in my rattling in my brain that I wanted to talk about. And I was like, I'm like, I don't really want to talk about something religious, but we're probably going to be recording this on Easter. And I was like, I don't know if this is the most appropriate or most inappropriate (laughs) movie to be talking about on Easter. (laughs) I think it depends on who you talk to, I guess. (laughs) Exactly. Because I feel like it's, well, just like Mighty Python, it's really good satire, and I think a lot of modern comedy owes a lot to what these guys did in the late 60s yes. and early 70s, and not just like Saturday Night Live or anything like that. Like um, when we were doing our Wes Anderson series on my show, uh, a guest of yours that's been a guest of mine as well, Sarah Ragsdale, pointed out that um, Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson's dad worked for the PBS affiliate in That's Dallas, right. Texas. And yep. the Dallas PBS station was one of the first to get the British programming over to America. And like the kind of dry wit and you have to kind of pay attention and listen to what is being said. And like the humor of Wes Anderson movies has a little bit of that British humor that's in the Python stuff like you have to listen to what that's being said because sometimes the the words are funnier than the actual gag themselves agreed and and yeah you 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 make you bring up a good point monty python was controversial i mean a lot of uh studios were like no we're just not going to air this stuff it's too vulgar it's too uh controversial it's too political um but you know pbs was like or NPR or whatever it was called at the time. I'm tripping over, over my words, but <clears throat> you're right. Uh, they were like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to air it. And so that, that is why we have Monty Python in the U S thanks to public television. Um, I guess we shouldn't tease it anymore than Cody. Like, well, first off, do you want to introduce the show that you're talking about that you're referencing? Oh, yes. So I have a live show that's usually streamed through YouTube, sometimes on our Facebook page. It's called Video Store Rejects. We we're kind of like the blank check podcast. We do. We pick a director. 
and we talk about their movies, usually one at a time. So right now, we're doing the films of Ridley Scott and the Coen brothers. And so when we nice. don't have a guest for one of those movies, I have been like doubling them up because they have such massive filmographies, especially Ridley right. Scott. Oh my like, gosh, yeah. Like this week, we just, uh, it was such an eye groan for one of these movies, but we just talked his Columbus movie. 1492 mm. the conquest of paradise <laughs> but i doubled it with kingdom of heaven which also historically inaccurate but it's at least a better made movie and you're not quite as rolling your eyes <laughs> but i guess in 1992 there was still like not everybody knew all the horrible things about christopher columbus or maybe like they just took a middle school history book and was like oh we'll just <laughs> highlight the stuff everyone thinks they know about it instead of like you know the real truth yeah. but I don't know I'm not a historian but like watching it I was just like wow they really did their like they really hurt their backs trying to make this guy look like a, a good person <laughs> right right <laughs> that's funny yeah some of those directors like really Scott he has so many movies that like Sometimes I'm watching a movie he directed and I'm like, oh, I f didn't realize he directed this, <laughs> you know, like he just has so many different films. But um, that's not what we're talking about today. You did tease earlier that is Monty Python related. What what movie did you choose to talk about today? Well, as I said earlier, I don't know if it's appropriate or inappropriate, but we're talking their second film, uh, Monty Python and the Life of Brian. Yes. Okay. So full disclosure, I don't think I've ever seen this all the way through. Like, I think I've started it and not really sat down and watched it until last night. So oh, wow. I'm coming at this with fresh eyes. Even being a big Monty Python fan, I, I didn't really watch this one a lot. Oh, well, I mean, I saw that Holy Grail had been an episode, which makes yes, sense. Because that's, <laughs> that's such a, uh, especially here in America, and I think, that's partly because it's making fun of like British folklore and everything. But, you know, it's such a huge, I don't even know if it's really a cult following because almost everybody I know, I mean, there are some people that don't like it, but like, it seems like it's a cultural touchstone for so many people. Like you say a line from that movie and someone will come back and say something to you that relates to that movie. 100%. And, um, you know, I also used to watch the show a lot with my dad. Um, so I've seen quite a few episodes of their show. Um, I saw John Cleese live in person a couple years ago because he accepted an Ernie Kovacs award um, here in Dallas. And I went to that and got to hear him speak. Oh, wow. Um, and he's still so funny. Like, I it, he was he was great except that the only joke he made that really did not land at all like there was just silence is um I think the person interviewing him was trying to make conversation and so they asked him like hey uh you having any Mexican you know did you eat any Mexican food while you're here or Tex-Mex um and he said that he hated Tex-Mex and that it was gross and that it was like Mexican food is just food covered in different sauces and the everyone was silent. And it was like, first of all, that doesn't really describe Mexican food <laughs> at all. But you could tell like he thought it was going to be like a sarcastic, funny thing. And like nobody I was like, oh, wrong crowd. You're in Texas. Well, they love Tex-Mex. <laughs> he, he could have. But, you know, being British, maybe he doesn't know the difference between like Tex-Mex and like actual Mexican food, you know? Because yeah. You could have made a joke because we, me and... My wife is of Hispanic and Latino, also indigenous, and we make cracks about like Tex-Mex sometimes. Like someone was <laughs> like, we were at our apartment pool and someone's like, well, I work at Jalapeno Tree anytime you want Mexican. We're like, that's not Mexican. And I don't know if you know <laughs> what Jalapeno Tree is, but it's like a East Texas Tex-Mex chain. Like, oh, um, no, I haven't heard of it, but jalapeno tree doesn't sound very authentic. <laughs> Just no. the name alone. But I mean, you can throw a rock and there's a Tex-Mex place. But yeah. 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 And there yeah. I live a, about a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say there's a few things in here that felt dated. But I mean, that that that's the case, especially with comedies that are at yes. least 10 years older. 
Like you're gonna find things you're like, oh, that's oh, okay. I agree. Like, There's a few things that don't age well, but I mean, you have to also keep in mind that I mean, it is kind of shock humor too, right? Like they kind of mm -hmm. went out of their way to be a little bit shocking. <laughs> so, so I think that's going to lend itself to things that may not age well. But I, I agree. Overall, it, it was not that bad. No, I've seen much worse. Like I recently, I think last month, was on a was on a live show talking about we ranked the Judd Apatow movies and like. The good movies, they're still good, but there are clearly things in some of those movies where you're like, oh, that did not age well. Like, Yeah, Judd Apatow in particular, I feel like doesn't really age well. Like, and even when you compare it to, like, say, Kevin Smith or someone else, for whatever reason, the brand of humor around that time was, like, especially egregious, even though it was, you know, closer to now. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know why bro humor <laughs> was so big, like, in the early 2000s. Yeah. But, but like, yeah. And then you go back and you're <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, we, we thought this was so funny. And, like, I'm not saying that the movies aren't funny. I'm just saying, like, we kind of... It's just harder ignore, to sit through. <laughs> yeah. We just kind of ignored all these, like, homophobic and sexist things because we just thought it was funny and weren't thinking and now yeah this like... was like the college humor days for sure mm -hmm. and like frat house humor yeah but yeah so this movie yeah surprisingly it's not too bad um um and let me go ahead and read the synopsis for anyone that hasn't seen it i think you can kind of guess what it's about <laughs> by the title but uh a young man brian who was born one stable down but on the same night as Jesus becomes intrigued by a young rebel, Judith to try to impress her. Brian joins the independence movement against the Romans, the people's front of Judea. However, in an attempt to hide from the Romans, he relays some of the teachings he's heard from Jesus, which ends up spurring a crowd to believe he's, he is the Messiah while trying to get rid of his followers and reunite with Judith. He embarks on several misadventures. So this is a loose plot. I would say that the movie is kind of like uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where it's mainly just a lot of bits kind of strung together. So it's like, you know, you, the plot is not important, <laughs> right? Um, there's just different gags in each scene that are funny. And so yeah. uh, I was telling you that last night, Cody. I was like, I feel like this isn't going to be a super long episode only because we're not going to be like breaking down the art of cinema. We're going to be talking about our favorite <laughs> skits, essentially, which is fun to do. So like, I'm excited. Um, but yeah, go ahead. You were about to say something. I was going to say, yeah, it's very much like Holy Grail. There's basically a concept. There's, there is at least an attempt at a story, but you're right. It's <laughs> mostly just getting from where they need to go and like, well, what kind of crazy, ridiculous gags and uh, skits can we do along the way? But these two films are much more structured than, say, their next film, The Meaning of Life, which is basically... Yeah, which I have seen a few times. Which is basically a uh, film version of their of their TV show, of their sketch 100%. comedy show. Yeah. Yeah, I think with, you know, with, with, with this group, you can expect, I mean, given the plot I just gave, it's going to be a lot of making fun of, like, religion, the government, you know, just British stuff. <laughs> the, the stuff that the British people like to make fun of. Um, and I've got a couple quick facts, just two, because, you know, again, it's not full of like behind the scenes facts or anything. But in an interview section of Monty Python's Flying Circus live in Aspen in 1998, John Cleese said that uh, because of the massive protests against this movie from all denominations of Christianity, he would joke with Michael Palin, we've brought them all together for the first time in 2000 years. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> it's like so true. Like as, as somebody that grew up very faith-based, um, all the different churches, you know, they don't get along the Protestants, the Catholics, and even a lot of the different Protestants, at least here in Texas, like don't get along. And so this united them though. They, they all agree that this was blasphemous. So we, they had that going for it. <laughs> I think anytime and I've learned this, you know, I, I was raised Catholic and living in East Texas most of my adult life and even living in Kentucky. Uh, you get a lot of things that Christians 
get mad about, and especially any time it has anything to do with religion. I mean, even when you watch the movie and there's, like, nothing really in there that, like, they made, like, as good of a movie as you could without trying to offend someone, someone's gonna be offended, and they're mm-hmm. gonna get in an uproar about it. <laughs> and I... I think they're really, you're just giving the movie business most of yes. the time because people are then going to be like, well, what's all the fuss about? What is, you know, why is, why is everyone so upset about this? And then also nine times out of 10, the majority, majority of these people haven't even seen the product. They just know what they heard about it and like they're mad. You know, I'm not going to lie to you when you pick this. I actually asked Nick, I was like, what do you think? Like, is this going to make people come for me if we talk about this? And he was like, it's Monty Python. Like everyone knows what Monty Python is. And I feel like everyone has seen this movie by now. And I'm like, that's true. And that's like their brand, right? You know, like a lot of their skits were around, you know, bureaucratic things or strict things, you know, so strict religion. And and there's quite a few gags in here about that. Um, And so I was like, yeah, I think you're right. I think by now we've moved past the point of, of being super shocked by stuff, but you're right. There's always going to be people that like everything is a hot take and you know, like they do get offended easier than some. I would say that. And I get why people are upset. Cause I feel like, cause this is ma- basically making fun of organized religion and like, you know, kind of the craziness people do in the name of religion or, even like how some people are just desperate to find an answer through a person like right but i feel like this movie is like personally like this one to me is less offensive than say i think there's stuff in meaning of the life that's a little more like agree going for the jugular (laughs) of like trying to offend Right, right. Like, I do think they have sort of a shock value sense of humor, but I was surprised that a lot of the gags weren't necessarily directed specifically at Christianity. Again, it it feels like a lot of their humor is mostly at, I don't know, in some ways just British society and like how rigid it can be, how stiff it can be. And so like, even though it takes place during Jesus's life, um, it still feels like it's mostly about British people if that makes sense. And so I don't, I think if you, I think for people worried that they're going to be offended, I think if they see it, it's like, it's not probably not what they're thinking. Um, The other quick fact I had was that this was the very first production from former uh, Beatle, George Harrison's new company, Handmade Films. Oh, wow. The Long Good Friday, Time Bandits, Mona Lisa with Nail and I, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, which I didn't realize he did that, would soon follow among over 30 features. Oh, wow. I didn't know this was the first one. I knew he produced Time Bandits, and I know... I didn't know that, yeah. I, I've never seen Time Bandits still. And oh, everyone's like, how dare you not you have gotta, seen that? I know. You gotta I'm sorry. See it if, if you love, uh, especially if you're a Python fan, because it does kind of have... it's. I would say of Terry Gilliam's work, besides the Jabberwocky, which he did in between Holy Grail and this one, it's probably the most Python-esque of his work. Well, I'm very much. I need to check it out. I Um, feel like Brazil even has some. Oh, Brazil totally, but it's it's a much darker film. It's darker, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I really love Brazil. Actually, I like finally saw that a couple years ago, and I was like, I love this. It's so good. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I love Terry Gilliam as a filmmaker. I I don't think he's made a good movie in a really long time, and I wish like he's kind of become like your grandpa who just doesn't need to give his opinion on things anymore. Yeah, but, but like that that, <laughs> that work sometimes. from up till about Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is pretty untouchable in my opinion. Like one hundred one hundred percent. Those chain of films from like Holy Grail to fear and loathing is pretty spot on i didn't highlight this as like a quick fact but i had read that john cleese felt like this was like their peak and i kind of agree like i feel like a lot of the i'm surprised i hadn't seen this 
I mean, and maybe I didn't see it because I was raised so religiously. <laughs> I don't know. But when I, I'm, I think this was like, had some really funny moments, like even funnier than the Holy Grail. Um, I, I do kind of think this was their peak in sort of writing bits. What What are your thoughts on that? I prefer Holy Grail because I Me think too. Just the overall. jokes, I think the jokes land better, but I think like, as far as like direction and writing and like, as, as, as people of their craft, I think Cleese is right. This is probably like their best produced thing they've ever done. Like this probably is like the top of their game because like, from what I hear about the making of a Holy Grail, they were kind of like had, barely a budget and like the coconut bit i think was just in there because they had done it on in stage and thought it was funny and they're like well we don't have to use horses and spend money on horses yeah that yeah that would be expensive hire a trainer and all that yeah yeah i just felt like um some of the some of the humor in this one was a little bit like even drier and like, like you said, you have to listen to what they're saying. Whereas in like Monty Python, I think that one has aged well overall, you know, number one, it's less controversial, but also a lot of the gags are more visual. And mm -hmm. so like, you know, the, they're funnier, I think to more people, whereas humor can be kind of, it, it can be niche, you know, not everyone thinks it's funny. And this one, I, I noticed the humor was a lot about like what they were saying and less about using coconuts and things like that. But yeah. I do prefer Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I don't think anything could replace that. <laughs> um, for me, um, I still think it's funny every time I see it. And yeah, I don't even know why. I guess just it, it the jokes maybe land a little bit better for me too. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a toss up. But since we're talking about this movie, I mentioned before, I'm like, because I do feel like this movie is predominantly just skit after skit. Let's talk about some of your favorite moments or some people, some people would say sketches and say that I'm saying that wrong, but Hey, I'm not an improv comedy person. So I don't, I don't know, but what are some of your favorite uh, moments in this film? Okay. Well, I think my, one of my favorite ones is the prison scene where he gets thrown into prison <laughs> and you got the Michael Palin character, like just hanging upside down. Yes. And he's like, Oh, they must <laughs> think you're God almighty spitting in your face. And he's like, Oh, I would love for them to spit in my face. They just leave me here. And they're like, shut up. And he's like, sorry. And it's like, <laughs> like, like, like he's been there so long, I guess they forgot he was there, so he's not even being mistreated anymore. Like, yeah, and he's like, like chained to the wall, whereas I guess the other guy has more freedom of movement. But yeah, it's very funny. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's what Monty Python did best. Like, these are some of their best, like their brand that not nobody else did. Ideas was like this concept of like, yeah, he's he's jealous that the new prisoner came in and he's being treated worse <laughs> yeah. that's a source and, of jealousy and michael palin might be my favorite of of the troop like he just just the gags they put him in like it's like he just he just really brings it home when they give him a character like that like you know yes yes and like they even come back to this like when everyone's being crucified and he's yelling oh look at you lucky you know <laughs> And, so funny. And I love the gag of uh, Terry Gilliam and Eric Idle pretending to be like they can't hear or that they're crazy or they can't speak properly. And then when John Cleese leaves, they're just like having a regular normal conversation. <laughs> like, so what, what you were saying, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many good moments. I, I liked um, when Jesus was preaching. Um, it's the, I can't remember the, is man, the it's been a long time since I've been the in mountain? church. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. But like when the, when they're like too far away to hear him and they yeah. get into like that argument, trying to listen to him. And then the two wives are getting in an argument and then everybody gets in a fight. I thought that part was really funny. Well, I also love playing off of that. Cause yeah, that again, Michael Palin and Eric Idle just, tit for tat there <laughs> with the back and forth but i love like later like brian's mom terry jones who i think predominantly always played women in the python sketches like 
That felt like that must have really influenced like kids in the hall a little bit. Uh (laughs) But go ahead. But uh, I love when they're like going to the stoning and the guys like, you need a beard. Like like, they already know that all these women are showing up, but they're like, you're pretending to be. (laughs) And he's like, oh, sorry, sir. Even though, you know, she's just has her beard on to pretend to be a man. Yeah, I I thought that scene was funny on so many levels. Like, number one, you know, they're stoning this guy because he he said God's name, which I kind of like forget. I think we forget these days, like how big of a deal that is, like in the Bible. Um, And so they're going to stone this guy. um, But as he's like, but the the prisoner says it again and then they're going to stone him again. Like they're like getting really amped to stone him, which I felt like was another funny gag is like that they, the, the audience is like excited to punish this guy, which I think does kind of poke fun a little bit at organized religion and guilt and shaming and stuff. But then uh, the guy that's uh, John Cleese, like accidentally says God's name also. And so then they start stoning him. Uh, Like the whole thing was just really funny. He kept trying to like establish the rules, but yeah, like every rule is being broken. Like they're saying God's name. Also the women are like wearing, you know, beers and posing as men. And there's that moment where he goes, wait, what did you just say? He's like, oh, I, I mean, me a man or whatever they said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. It's like there's so many rules. Like the women can't do this, but also you can't say this. And it's like it was just making fun of that, which, again, like I think is making fun of religion, but also works really well for British humor because a lot of their humor was around making fun of like bureaucracy and like too many rules, you know. So I don't know. That was that. I think the stoning scene was probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. <laughs> what I also love where the guy's like, he's like, quit saying that. You don't know what's, what's the worst that's going to happen. You're already going to stone me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me just say it and dance a jig. Like you're going to do your damage. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, I also liked, yeah, I liked anytime Terry Jones who directed this, this is his mm-hmm. second film to direct, by the way. I don't know if you mentioned that, but, um, when he was the mom, every single time he was the mom, I found those to be very funny scenes. Also, yeah, it's it's great, and um, it's not it's not really funny, especially this day and age. But like when she tells Brian he's part Roman, and he's like, "Were you?" Oh raped? yeah, yeah. And she's like, "Well, at first, <laughs> it's like yeah, oh. it's like, but like, yeah, and and yeah, that was a funny scene." <laughs> for sure but yeah terry jones is great uh and i don't know if he gets enough credit because yeah he directed all three of these films i know he co-directed with gilliam on the first one but i don't know if he gets enough credit for and like he also helped write the labyrinth and no he, i didn't know he that. did a few other thing notable things i mean he didn't go on to have like the directing career that gilliam had but yeah, I I don't think he quite gets the credit like some of these other performers get because I guess he's kind of more he usually is playing like a background character or a supporting character in the Yeah, makes sense if he's directing it. Um but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Speaking of bureaucracy and like British government, I love when uh the rebellion group and forgive me because like they have two that are similar names and that's part of the joke yeah but when they're like what have the romans ever done for us and they're like well the aqueduct well yeah and then they're like well public water like it's clean and the roads <laughs> education and medicine and <laughs> so it becomes like this long list of modern at the time like you know modern advancements and making life easier and they're like well besides all those things <laughs> yeah that was really good i also liked the haggling scenes mm-hmm. <laughs> i was trying to like get out of there really quick and buy that beard well you're not gonna come on no no really do it no taggle like you mean it <laughs> so funny it comes up like twice when he tries to give that gourd away mm-hmm. well what's wrong with it <laughs> that was another Don't scene I really liked that too. much. But come on, now. that's too high. Go a little bit lower. Don't you know how to haggle? <laughs> I I like that scene where he was uh 
I, I guess re-saying some of the stuff that Jesus had said to a small group and uh, about um, and, and like every single thing he said, they challenged. Well, what were their names? Well, why were they birds? Well, where were they? You know, it's like it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's just I just love their, their back and forth. I mean, like Mighty Python is something I like to put on and I feel kind of like depressed or sad or I need a pick me up like and usually this is not the one I go to but like like what Cleese said this is like probably them at the top of their game as far as like everything coming together and yeah making, like this is probably a better film than the Holy Grail it's just that you know uh, we as a Western society like the silly movie where they're making fun of the, this British legend a little bit better because, you know, because yes. we're like, oh, yeah, they're making fun of themselves. Whereas maybe we don't want to accept either because of our religious background or because it's a, something a little more serious. It's not as funny to us. Even yeah, I think it's it's a little bit. Yeah. When you're making fun of organized religion, I think the stakes are a little higher because it's like still a thing you know and um and it's controversial also there's a lot of nudity in this movie like yes there is funny male nudity yeah <laughs> so i think it just doesn't you know like not everyone can watch it or you know yeah but i mean yeah they have so many gags and i mean of course the most juvenile one is you know they have pontius pilot with the speech impediment and they're laughing and then he says well i do have a friend named biggest dickus what's so funny about that <laughs> that part got me i was laughing pretty hard at it it's so it's so dumb it's such a silly gag but it made me laugh pretty hard yeah, and I, I, I and I wonder like sometimes when people are laughing, like are they laughing because that's in the scene they're supposed to laugh, or are they laughing because like they just can't they can't keep it together? Like yeah, it seemed genuine, like they were laughing pretty hard. And like I also love the scene where like the old man they go to um find Brian and like they're not even really <laughs> hiding. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, when they leave, you're like, well, they must have just not cared. And then it's like, oh, well, crucifixion's not so bad. The guy's like, that's a horrible, slow, painful death. Well, at least you get fresh air. <laughs> like, oh, I also what? like that it's at the beginning of the film, but the three wise men, then they come and give those gifts and they accidentally give them to Brian. Like, that's how you find out about <laughs> Brian. Like, being born the same night but like to me the funniest part was at the end when they realized their mistake and they like push the mom <laughs> like right. take the stuff and they go right next door and and there's mary and joseph with like their halo and everything <laughs> I, that was pretty funny. I also love the gag about the gifts because like you know when you're when you like you're growing up and i don't even know there may be you know even as an adult you're like i don't know what myrrh is like what is yes yeah. she's like maybe don't bring that next time like the other two we like but not the myrrh so that <laughs> is funny. that is one of the bits that definitely is not has not aged well oh and... no kidding yeah it has blackface in it yeah. which is like intense like at first you're like is he oh ooh. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't even know why they decided to do that other than... Yeah, unnecessary for the skit. I think because sometimes when people talk about the three wise men, there usually is one of them is black. But yes, obviously I... they could have hired someone black or uh -huh. just not done that because they're already not Roman or Jewish. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But I mean... Yeah, they could have, because I think, yes, one of the wise men, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, if someone knows their Bible and their history of that time period better than I, but I believe the man's name was Balthazar, and he was from a region that they describe as being a dark, darker person, so... But yeah, totally unnecessary for the skit, like, either hire an actor of color... Or just John Cleese be John Cleese, you know, you don't. Yeah, like it's already not accurate. So 
that it's a weird thing to do. But I think, I think we just forget like how often people did that and no one, I mean, not no one said anything. People were definitely offended and hurt by it, but in the realm of like Hollywood and, and, and I guess the BBC, like they didn't. So they let it go on. But yeah, so that, that's a good warning for people. I think other than that, the skit is funny, but that is, I understand if that's, you know, too intense. Yeah. And it, threw me off guard because it had been a while since I'd seen this and I did not remember that in the movie like I didn't remember that part of it I just remember them like going to the wrong manger and then coming back and getting their gifts like I just remember the actual gag but like watching it yesterday and this morning I was like oh yeah not yeah you're like oof um I guess mercifully it's pretty short though yeah and then I would say the other bit that has not aged well is the whole Eric Idle character wanting to be addressed as Loretta and John Cleese's kind of run of the whole thing about it is not cool. Yeah, that felt and it felt very um, like like they were making a, their own statement and feeling about it, almost mm-hmm. like they were specifically addressing something they they didn't agree with. And that it, that felt weird. Like it wasn't as funny, and it was also like, we just want to make sure it's clear we think this is dumb. It was like, okay, like why are they? Doesn't even yeah. really fit the tone of the movie. So yeah, good point. I think those two, those were the two that stood out to me too. Yeah, as far um, as like, yeah. ooh, like things that's like, oh yeah, that that's not cool. Like yeah, one hundred percent. Like everything. And like else- you said, unfortunately, if you watch an old movie, especially a comedy. I mean, it, it something like that is definitely going to come up because people talked about the hot issues of the time and our takes on that have, you know, evolved. So no, no longer acceptable. Well, I think the other thing you mentioned about it being like shock comedy, you know, like for shock yeah. value, I think that kind of comedy is not really around anymore so much i feel like we've recognized that it becomes problematic it's like why is everything shocking and air quotes always just something that hurts somebody like hurts a marginalized community like maybe just don't do that anymore yeah yeah i mean yeah don't do that you know also i'm glad we've gotten past comedians doing uh ethnic voices because that used to be a thing too like, mm-hmm. yeah, don't do that, especially if you're a, a white man. You know, that's just not cool. Don't do it. But right. yeah, you can be that you can satirize like the ridiculousness of society and like political climate and all that without like just, oh, look what I'm doing just to be controversial. Oh, look exactly. what I said. Yeah. And, it needs, first of all, it needs to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, Remember, the main thing is it needs to be funny. And then also, yeah, you don't have to punch down. Um, And I don't think this movie does that a lot. So thankfully, but it does have a couple scenes, like you said. And I mean, almost any Hollywood comedy of this time period, we could probably put in and be like, ooh, there'd be something in one of the somewhere in the movie there'd be a scene or something that made us like cringe and that just means we've evolved as a society and hopefully we continue to do so so even movies that are being made today in 10 20 years time if we go back and watch them we might go "Ooh, not cool yeah but i think mark maron and i you know, I don't know what people's opinions are of him, but I think he had a very good point, especially around the time Joker came out, which he's actually in. But like he commented on Todd Phillips's uh justification for making the movie because he was also someone very much a part of that bro frat humor mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. Like he made a comment like you can't make f- comedies anymore because people get offended and like everyone's got their feelings on their sleeves and Mark Marin put like, well, if you can't adapt, then you're not funny. Like, yeah. And he's right. Comedy changes. It evolves. I mean, I think it's probably a genre that evolves very quickly um, compared to other genres. And 
what's funny changes. I mean, have you ever like put in an old movie that's a comedy and you just sat there and not because it was offensive, but you were just like, this isn't funny to me. I mean, mm-hmm. what we think of as funny changes over time. Right. And I mean, like, naturally, uh, a comedian, Mike Myers, like, uh, his last movie was a disaster and they're like, this kind of comedy doesn't work anymore. And he's like, well, I guess I'm just gonna like, he saw that like, okay, that's my wheelhouse. And if this isn't working anymore, I guess I'll just kind of stop doing movies because that's what I know how to do. And, and that's wise too. like either stop and be like, okay, my type of humor has, you know, aged out or evolved. Don't, like complain that like woke society has limited your your uh creative flow right the reality is you've gotten older (laughs) you know when you think of like dad jokes or like you know when you were a kid and your parents would tell you something that was funny or show you something funny and you're like what the heck this isn't funny things change (laughs) like that's just reality you know and they're going to continue to. And someday I'll probably watch something brand new that everyone thinks is funny. And I'll just sit there confused. That's already happened. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, I mean it's, comedy it's is just how it is. also mo- maybe the most subjective genre. Because, yeah, that's true. Because there are stuff people think are absolutely hilarious. And I'm like, I don't think that's funny. Like I'm not a big uh, Adam Sandler guy. And like, I know for like, God, almost 20 years, like he was like making a lot of money, you know, and yeah, like most of his humor, I don't like. I'm okay. The biggest, most offensive thing that I don't get or I was never that into is that um, I'm even afraid to say this out loud now. I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast because so many people are such huge fans, but I was never like a big fan of uh, Kevin Smith's work. Just never was and i even had friends that would say oh is it because um it's so vulgar and like it's it's so you know sexual and i was like no that's not it i just i didn't i'm sorry and like you know that that was that's something that i don't say a lot because so many people love him so i don't want to like upset anyone (laughs) but it's like it just doesn't work for me it's not like i'm telling you you can't enjoy it but like you know that's it's subjective like you said like if i don't think it's funny it's okay. Like it's okay for me to not think something's funny, but think something else. I know some people can't stand, uh, what's his name? Um, elf. Um, Oh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Yeah. Yeah, Like some people are like enough Will Ferrell movies. And I'm like, I can't get enough, you know? So it's like, (laughs) it's, it's very subjective, you know? Um, and that's okay. Uh, there's no right or wrong as long as it's not, like you said, offensive, But, and even with Monty Python, I feel like growing up, you know, my dad thought Monty Python was so funny. My mom hated it. Um, And he would say stuff like, yeah, yeah, women don't get it or something. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm a woman and I think it's funny. I I think she just doesn't like it, (laughs) dad. But, you know, like, (laughs) but like, uh, it's subjective. It's like you said. I hope we're moving away from that mentality. I don't know if we (laughs) are, but I feel like because men grew up knowing a lot of women that weren't into the things they were into like yeah they need to quit making statements like that because there are a lot of women out there that like the things you like you know like, right and maybe some of the comedy was like making fun of women and that's why they didn't like it not in this case but like you know, that could have been part of it. Also, there weren't as many female comedians as there are now. There were some, but they were kind of actively, it was kind of a guy's club, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, So it was harder for women to get in. And, you know, there was the whole like women aren't funny joke, you know, stuff like that. But I think, I think we've moved past that for sure. I mean, I hope. (laughs) I I mean, I, I like a lot of comedians that are men and women, so. Exactly. Like, uh, I, I love, um, Mindy Kaling, I think she's one of the most talented and funniest people on the planet. Like, I think she's one of the best comedy writers out there. Put her up against any of her male counterpoints that are, uh, you know, Adam McKay, any of those people. And 
interesting that you bring up Kevin Smith because I think when I was very much younger, I was so in the pocket of that just because I felt like, oh, he's a nerd and da 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 da. Oh, but- it was huge. I was like, even back then, I was like the only kid my age that was like, eh, no, I don't know. But <laughs> it's like I, again, even saying that out loud now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel but, like I'm like the age where I should have loved it, and like a lot of my close friends love it, but I would, I just didn't like, I don't know. But I watched his most recent one that he did, and I'm like, have I outgrown Kevin Smith? Like, <laughs> as my, and like he even says he's not really a director, right? Like he teases himself and says he just got lucky i think he might be a talented writer when it comes from a place of a uh, personal experience well i think or... he told a very specific point of view from a very specific time like and he was yeah. like the main voice to do that and, and the only person doing that that was really successful so i i get it yeah and it's fine to not like something and you know, you don't have to trash it because I think that's I don't know if that comes with age. I know like in in my younger self, if I was really disappointed in something, I would want to eviscerate it and be like, how could you like that? <laughs> you but say it now, comes with age. I would say for some. I would because <laughs> we've seen on Twitter <laughs> and other places. It's true. Some people but, love to bash. But like I saw the most recent Ghostbusters movie with a friend of mine who loves almost anything Ghostbusters and. I just wasn't that hot for it. And but I wasn't mad that he liked it. I was like, I'm glad he didn't you liked go home it. and write like a scathing review that no, and tag I was him like, in it. <laughs> I'm happy you enjoyed it. I'm glad you liked it. Just wasn't for me, but I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna rain on your parade because Yeah, that's nice. Something. That's kind of you. <laughs> there's probably something I love that you think is terrible. So <laughs> Well, back to back to like funny scenes from the movie. Um, the other funny gag I thought was when Brian is writing uh, on the wall with paint <laughs> or blood. That was a good one. <laughs> I wonder how many teachers and professors love that scene. Cause I like, thought the same thing. He's like, no, okay, try it again. And then I they feel- make him do it all night. And then they're like, now never do that again. <laughs> And then someone else arrests him. It was just, I thought that was great. As I feel like I've had this discussion with a professor or someone editing a paper or something I've written, like, um, <laughs> okay, and now where should this be? Sound it out. <laughs> yeah. Phonetically. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. I was like, this is, this is great. It was probably one of my favorite scenes for sure. And I think, of course, we've got to go with like, uh, I mean, one of the best songs ever put to a film, so much so that they included it in the musical version about the other movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Always Look on the Bright Side of Life is like the curtain call of Spamalot. I've never seen Spamalot. It's... Uh, okay, I'm gonna probably say something controversial here. Uh oh, hot musical, take Sunday. Hot take Easter fans. Sunday. <laughs> I really do not like this trend that musical theater was on, where they're taking, because of course you know forever we adapted Broadway musicals and made them movies, right? Yeah, you don't I like. I really reverse. do not like a lot of the. Uh, trend that happened in the 2000s and teens where they were taking movies and adapting them into musicals some of them work but like a lot of them i'm like i'd rather just watch the movie like you didn't, <laughs> you didn't have to turn this into a musical like i so it's spam a lot's fine but like i'd rather just go home and watch the holy grail like okay i was curious to your thoughts because i think i I've seen it advertised and I'm like, mm, I don't know, but a lot of people like it. And and maybe they're just, I mean, we reached a point where it's like people are sort of desperate for more Holy Grail content and that's why, but I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, I feel the same way about the producers and Hairspray. Like I, I prefer the original source, like instead of the musical version, which I mean, the original Hairspray kind of already was a musical, but not as much, I guess. I don't know, but like, it's just a trend. I also don't like jukebox musicals where like they just mm. take somebody's music and try to create a Broadway show out of it, but it's really just like a cover band. Yeah. 
what I'm thinking of the one that I saw, one of the only musicals I've seen live, uh, the one about the Four Seasons. Oh, um, Jersey Boys! Oh Jersey God, Boys, that's yeah. like probably, in my opinion, <laughs> I one liked of the worst. it, but <laughs> okay, it always I'm makes sorry. me think of uh, the other guys. <laughs> I loved it. You undersold it. The pageantry, the costumes. Wow, what a musical! <laughs> 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 but that's me and i'm not yeah. here to no, shame anyone who enjoys those but like it's just a trend <laughs> there's I was... no shortage of them for sure but yeah i feel like they're still a pretty big thing but yeah but it's i know just... what you mean i get it it's not particularly a trend i like i'm like can you just write original musicals <laughs> oh gosh um hamilton i feel like was the last <laughs> big original. i mean but what a one though right yeah but that was good I... I love that song though. It's it's hilarious. It is hilarious. It's catchy and it's poignant. Like I it's, forget it's from this movie. <laughs> it's poignant too. Like I honestly, I would be perfectly fine if someone played this at my funeral. Like, like <laughs> right? yeah, look yeah. on the bright side of life. Like yeah, life can suck and be terrible, but you know, you can't. Don't be miserable the whole time. Have a laugh. I think that's ultimately <laughs> what Mighty Python is saying: is have a laugh. I at, agree. At this ridiculous things people do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. From the uh, religious fervor in the movie to the political movements to just everything, it's just sort of having a laugh at all that and just not taking things so seriously. I, I agree. Yeah, and I think that's why they resonate, not only because of that and because of the influence. Like I said, I don't think Saturday Night Live exists without Flying Circus. I And another thing that's like my happy place, the Muppets, I don't think the Muppet Show exists without Flying Circus. I feel like... Yeah, it, it, you'd have to think they, at the very least, were an influence, for sure. So, yeah, always look on the bright side of life and the Rainbow Connection... Yeah, I want those played at my party. <laughs> I totally get that. Well, I guess, um, do, were there any other scenes that we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to talk about? I mean, I think we covered, like, the good ones. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's a skit or a gag. Someone's like, oh, I can't believe you didn't bring that one up. That one was hilarious. I mean... <laughs> It's Mighty Python. It's they're they're it's almost, nothing but hilarious scenes. Yeah, <laughs> they're almost batting at a hundred, even in this one. And even though I personally prefer Holy Grail, just because it's more quotable, probably because I like obsessively watched it for like same in my high when I was days, a kid, like all the time. Yeah, but that was one of those movies that I grew up and realized other people did that. Like I thought that was just a me thing, and something was wrong with me. <laughs> for watching it so many times and then when i found out that like okay everybody thinks this is funny i was like oh thank god <laughs> i'm not alone but i think this one is definitely a landmark film for them and i know mm -hmm. that i think in in the uk this one is a little more favorable than it is here in the u.s with uh, I, well, yeah i think they're less extreme about like the nudity is like a big thing i feel like like not to me personally, but in America, we are very prudish when it comes to nudity and I'm not yeah. proclaiming that every movie needs nudity in it, but I mean, <laughs> Oh, like... so on Easter Sunday, you're telling everyone you want more nudity. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but yeah, I agree where it's like, this is not a big deal in Europe, but it's such a big deal here. <laughs> like for it, some reason, it's, it's just such so, a big so deal that, the recent Ben Affleck movie that's not even that good. People are like just so happy that that type of movie exists again because we are so prudish with mm -hmm. sexuality and nudity in America. But like we don't care if people's arms and legs and heads are decapitated with blood flowing. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thing about American culture. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess that brings me then to my last couple of questions for you. Like what, why do you like this movie so much? You know, I, I know you said you don't watch it as much as Monty Python, but you know, what, what kind of keeps you coming back maybe to Monty Python as a whole? 
Well, like I said, uh, Monty Python is like my happy place. Like it just puts a smile on my face. It makes me feel better. And I feel like all three of these movies have some kind of value. They're well made. I think Meaning of Life is probably the weakest just because it's just a series of sketches. And I feel like this one is a really well-made movie. And I think like the important message, as I said, is like, yeah, just remember to kind of smile and remember that life is ridiculous. It's okay to laugh at it. I mean, you know, even as they say, like God has to have a sense of humor with the stuff that happens in society. Like, right. (laughs) Very true. And I think it's pointing out the ridiculousness that we as humans and as mankind like the rules and the regulations and everything that gets put on with whether it be organized religion or government or even rebellions like people get so worked up over things that don't really matter at the end of the day yeah that are arbitrary or specific to that time and outside of it you're like why is that a big deal yeah (laughs) um 100 and So if you're trying to introduce someone who's never seen Monty Python before, like, how do you, how would you pitch this? (laughs) Oh, well, first I would say probably I would show them the Holy Grail before showing them this. This is is like extra credit homework, right? Did you like Holy Grail? Then that's not going to guarantee you're going to like this because you liked Holy Grail, but and maybe show them some of the sketches from the sketch show too. And like, if you're yes. into that, then here. Let I me liked give... the bicycle repairman, <laughs> the cheese shop. <laughs> there's I mean, quite a few the lum- that I thought were funny. The lumberjack song. I mean, come on. Yes. That's like this, there's so much gold. The parrot scene. Yes. No. <laughs> I like it. what you said about extra credit. I think that's like the perfect way to describe it. <laughs> this is extra credit. I mean, if you if you like Holy Grail, you've seen some of the like I think there's a film that's like a compilation of a lot of their sketches. I think it's called And Now for Something Completely Different. Yes, I watched that before. Cuz yep. I believe there's a gag where John Cleese is a drill instructor and he like they end up shooting someone with a banana or something. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, if you're if you can get into that, then I would say, hey, check this movie out. It's a movie where this guy gets confused to be the Messiah because he's kind of around the same age as Jesus and living in the same time period and place as Jesus and kind of all the mishaps that are going on in that society. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. If you can vibe with that and not be offended, great. (laughs) But if you know, if you know, because I just had a conversation with someone and they were like, well, every movie is worth one watch. And I was like, well, of course, if you want an opinion on something, you need to watch it and you should Mm -hmm. give everything at least one chance. I said, but that doesn't mean I'm going to recommend a movie to anyone. Like there are people I know. I would not recommend this movie to because I know Same. Yeah. they're not going to like it and they're not. Yeah, movie they're people. not going to think it's funny. They're going to be offended. It's like, why force them to sit through something they I know they're not going to enjoy? Because I was like, there's a difference between people who are like really into film and movies and they'll probably give almost anything a chance. And then like, there's your aunt, you know, yeah. your aunt. <laughs> You know what they like, what they don't like. And so when you see a movie, you know kind of the people who you think will like this and who won't. So when you see a movie that almost any movie you see, you think of someone and you're like, oh, they would like that. But if someone came up to you and was like, Lisa, should I watch Life of Brian? If you know, like, they're either really deeply religious and easily offended, you're probably going to be like, then not for you. You're you're not going to like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you got to know your audience. Um, But Cody, thank you so much for coming on today and for talking about this movie with me. Uh, Where can people find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at FilmNerd85. You can also find my show. It's usually live because I'm a terrible editor, so it's just live show, so... That's brave, though. See, I don't do live because I'm Loves scared. Loves and all. <laughs> uh, 
uh we have a youtube page we have facebook page we have a twitter page but it's usually i'm posting the videos and tagging the page on my own twitter site because for whatever reason on my computer it only lets me use the page on my phone so yeah video store rejects we're on facebook and twitter and youtube uh, like I said, we're covering the films of Ridley Scott and the Coen brothers for the majority of the year. And then we usually do a Sunday brunch show where we're finishing up the James Bond movies. So I think my co-host Chris and his wife Lindsay will be covering all the 80s films sometime this week. I may or may not be on that show because of change of schedule. But yeah, that's where you can awesome. find me. Great. Well, yeah, and highly recommend your show. I've been on it before. Would love to come back. And uh, thank you for coming on and, and hope to have you back soon. Bye.